Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 152 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist, and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice. We provide advice and assistance to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. And of late, we've been doing a lot of advice in relation to redundancies. Unfortunately, I think this is something that's going to continue on for some time. Whilst the country is able to open up, and many businesses are getting back to normal or some normality from the 4th of July, there are a number of businesses who are looking at making cutbacks. So hopefully this episode is helpful for you, Um, and this week we're going to be covering alternative vacancies. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. In order for a redundancy dismissal to be fair, you need to have looked at suitable alternative employment within your organisation for those employees who are to be made redundant. So in order to be fair, as I say, you must have a look at suitable alternatives. It is a requirement and therefore if you fail to do so, you could find yourself with an unfair dismissal decision against you. Now looking for alternative vacancies, you don't have to exhaust you know, every possible avenue for alternative vacancies. You don't have to create alternative vacancies. But what you do have to do is make reasonable effort to look within your organisation to see if there are other jobs available. Again, we come back to that word of reasonableness. It's really important when it comes to deciding on dismissals for any reason. One of the key questions is about reasonableness. If you have a jobs board or an online portal or something like that which has vacancies on it, then you would be required to make sure the employees who have been selected for redundancy are aware of where those vacancies are. And if it's practicable, you know, if you've got a fairly small organisation and there are a few vacancies coming up, then it would be reasonable to email those over to the employees when they come up. Now, there may be some circumstances where your company is part of a wider group And again, if it's practical to do so, then you should flag up any alternative vacancies within other group companies. And again, that can be just as simple as saying, here's a portal, have a look at this, or here's a website where you'll find alternative vacancies within the group companies. As I said, you have an obligation to look for alternative jobs within your organisation for the employees and to consider whether there might be alternative vacancies coming up in, in the near future, but you don't have to create a job for them. And your obligation to search for alternative employment is up until the termination of the employee's employment. So it's up until the termination date. Once their employment's been terminated, there's no obligation to continue to provide them with vacancies or to look for alternative work for them. So when you're devising your redundancy process and your redundancy strategy, it would be a good idea to think about how you're going to fulfil this obligation for looking at alternative vacancies. How are you going to inform employees of vacancies? How do you do that already? Do you need to make any changes? Do you have to inform the employees at the point that they're told that they're being made redundant of how you're going to inform them of vacancies? 
Now, when you're looking at alternative vacancies, you should ensure that you make no assumptions about the employees. And it's a good idea to have a wide list. So not just selecting and providing information about alternative roles to employees just because you think they would be interested in them. Even if it's a lesser role or a part-time role, or it may be that there's um, less money than they're currently on and you think, well, they won't be interested in that anyway. I would strongly suggest that you provide them with the details of all vacancies. Again, in a larger organisation, it might not be practical to send them a list, but you could have details, as I say, on a website or on an internal portal or a document, which the employees can then have access to during the time of their notice. So what happens when you identify an alternative role within the business and the employee is interested in it? Well, you don't necessarily have to slot an employee straight into that role. You can go through a selection process. So you can have a competitive interview, for instance. So let's just say, you know, you're making five redundancies and a new job comes up in a different area, but two of the redundant employees are interested in it. In that situation, you can have a competitive interview with them to decide who's going to be selected. And you're not required to have the same rigorous approach to selection as you did with the selection criteria and selecting somebody for redundancy. As long as you have, as I say, a competitive interview process, you act in good faith and you select the person who's best for the job for you, then you'll be able to justify your decision as to why you've given that job to one person and not another. And the same thing goes if you've got a job role and an employee applies for it and actually they're not suitable. So you go through the you go through the application process with them in the interview and you find actually they don't have the skills or the ability that's required for that role. Then you can refuse. You don't have to give them that employment. However, there is um, one situation in which you are required to give first refusal on alternative employment and that is where an employee is on maternity leave. It's really important that you keep this in mind. If you have a redundancy situation and you're making an employee redundant who is on maternity leave and you have an alternative vacancy within your business, you must offer that to the employee on maternity leave. Okay, so if it's a suitable alternative vacancy, you must offer it to them. In a future episode in this mini-series, I'm going to talk about some of the unusual circumstances around redundancy, um, including how you deal with those employees who are maternity. So we'll touch on that point again later on, but it's something that you should remember. So if you make an offer of alternative employment and employee accepts it, you can do so on a statutory trial period. So This means that where an employee is offered alternative employment and any of the terms of their employment differ in any way from their existing terms, they will have an automatic trial period of four weeks. So that gives you and the employee four weeks in which to decide if they are suitable for the role and for the employee to decide if the role is suitable for them. The effect of the trial period means that if at the end of that trial period of four weeks, either party decides that they're not right for the role, their employment will cease from the date that the new trial period started and they will be eligible in most cases, which I'll come on to shortly, for an, a statutory redundancy payment. 
So when it comes to trial periods, it's automatic. However, it is good practice to inform the employee in writing that there is this trial period. And they can only extend the trial period if retraining of the employee is required. And again, you must put that in writing. So if the, the trial period will be four weeks, unless you put in writing that it's going to be extended because they are required to retrain for the role. If at the end of the trial period, it's a, it's a success and everybody's happy, then the original contract is deemed that they haven't been dismissed. So there's no dismissal and their employment will just continue. If, however, the trial period is unsuccessful, then they are regarded as having been dismissed for statutory redundancy pay purposes at the date the original contract ended and the trial period started. So what's the effect then of alternative employment and an employee's refusal to accept suitable alternative employment? Well, if they refuse unreasonably to accept an alternative offer, then they may be forfeiting their right to redundancy pay. So that is to say, you wouldn't be required to pay them redundancy if you've made them an offer and it's suitable. Now, in determining whether alternative employment is suitable alternative or not, there are two testers here. The first is the suitability. The second is the reasonableness of the employee's refusal. So suitability is an objective assessment of the job that's offered. And there are a number of things that can be taken into consideration here. And there's no hard and fast rules. Each one is determined by the facts of the case. But essentially, what will happen is you'll look at the suitability in terms of the status of the role, the tasks that they're required to perform, the pay and benefits that are on offer, the hours and the location. So let's just take, for example, you have a senior manager in an organisation who has responsibility for 30 staff and their position is made redundant, they're selected for redundancy, but you have an alternative offer of employment, which is as a junior role, um, working underneath those people, for instance, that he or she had been supervising. In those circumstances, it's likely that even if the pay and benefits are exactly the same, I know it's unlikely, but if the pay and benefits are exactly the same as what the employee had been on as a manager, the fact that they are now at this lower status as a junior role would, in my opinion, mean that that's not a suitable alternative role for that employee. So that's looking at the suitability. The next up is looking at the reasonableness of the employee's decision. So this is a subjective test and this is what why is the employee rejecting it? And again, it comes down to the facts in each particular case. But let's just say the role's a suitable role, but for whatever reason, personally, the employee can't undertake it. Each case will be decided on its facts. So for example, there was a case of a gentleman who was a widower who had responsibility for two children, two teenage children, and he was offered suitable alternative employment, which required him to drive for, for additional four miles every day. Now he refused that. And his reason for doing so was that although it was only four miles because of where it was, it would have um, increased his travel time significantly. And he had childcare responsibilities, which meant that that additional time would have made things very difficult for his family. And in that circumstance, the Employment Tribunal decided that it was reasonable for him to refuse that alternative offer and therefore he could still get redundancy pay. So if you are thinking of making redundancies and you have alternative employment available, don't necessarily think you're going to avoid 
making a redundancy payment by offering those employees one of those jobs, even if you think it's suitable, because it does come down to what the whole of the circumstances are for that employee and can include some very personal factors that the employment tribunal would take into consideration on determining if it was reasonable for them to refuse. That's an overview of alternative employment in a redundancy context. What you need to keep in mind in summary is that you have an obligation to look for alternative employment within your organisation for redundant employees and to inform them of those vacancies. There's no obligation to create a job for them and you can have a competitive interview process when deciding if a potentially redundant employee is suitable for that alternative role. If you are dealing with a redundancy situation and you're struggling or you need any help with regards to the paperwork or the process or just hand-holding or some general questions answered, then please do not hesitate to get in touch. My email address is alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. We do have a DIY redundancy product available on our website to purchase and download for £100 plus VAT. You can find this on our website adviceforemployers.co.uk or realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. We also provide comprehensive advice and assistance should you need it and that's available anytime so do get in touch with us and of course if you have any questions, comments or best practice then please leave them in the comments or please leave us a review if you're happy to do so and you have enjoyed the podcast. Many thanks for listening and I'll be back with a new podcast in the very near future which will be part six of this mini-series on redundancy. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.